I'm here with Lou Emery, who is a successfully uh, transitioned veteran. Um, Lou, can you give your background and what you did and then what you're doing now, and then we'll fill in the blanks on the transition. Yeah, uh, so was doing for a long while, uh, officer in the SEAL teams, and was making the transition, realized it was not easy. Uh, Elite Meep was a key component of that, and got a job with McKinsey. So right now I am finishing my job as an operations officer with one of the teams here on the West Coast and moving to Dallas in a couple of weeks to kick off with McKinsey and company. Um, how long were you, uh, how long have you been active? 13, uh, 14 years now. 14 years. Mm -hmm. um, and what's the past year been like? <laughs> <laughs> well, since the uh, job offer, awesome uh, before that it was working like a son of a gun so obviously yeah. working in the teams but also the transition is not a joke yeah. when uh, did it really start for you the the transition process i'd say four well now five years ago um i started uh, five years ago made a decision of hey i have some wickets i want to hit uh, mentally and emotionally and uh, spiritually with my family uh, within two years. And if I can hit those within two years, I'll stay in active duty. And at the two-year point, it was very clear I had not hit those wickets that I needed to make my career sustainable for my family. And so I had from that point two years till my get-out date. And in that time, I was not thinking about job because I heard all the stories of you know, when you get out of the SEAL teams or Green Berets, it's easy. Six figures, way easy. People are going to be lining up to have you <laughs> into their company. Yes, yes. And as I learned, people don't give a flying hoot about the fact I was a SEAL. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so do that. two years after I realized this wasn't working, uh, I focused almost entirely on my mental transition. So worked with a psychologist on base, kind of snipping all the unhealthy attachments that I had to the, the teams that I had somehow made part of my identity that actually were not. And I still have the great relationships with people. I still have the lessons I've learned that have become a part of me. But, uh, you know, I don't need to wear the trident anymore to feel like I belong wherever it is that I happen to be existing. And that was an important part for me. And it did take the bulk of two, three years to do that. But come down to the, you know, six months before, seven months before I was getting out, I realized, huh, finding a job is not easy. When I'd had a, a bunch of first interviews that didn't progress beyond first interviews. That's uh, when I woke up to, I need to get some help. When, when did you really start to apply for jobs? I'd say April. I was getting out in September. Uh, officially getting out in September 29, uh, 2019. I've been in the reserve since October of 2019. Okay. And you're also doing your MBA right now? That's right. Finishing up at UCLA with their executive MBA. So early early last year when you were starting to apply for jobs, um, what were you doing maybe in that kind of first phase that you did mm -hmm. incorrectly? And what, what did you learn from that allowed you to kind of start going down that path to eventually now working at McKinsey? 
Yeah. The, well, what I was doing first, I think is generally the right idea. You don't apply to a job through a job board. Uh, you get your jobs by meeting people and convincing people that you are right for their organization, their department, their company, whatever it might be. Now, the, I got into those first round interviews because I had an intriguing story, which I think most of the people here in Elite Meet will have. But an intriguing story is not enough to progress it any further than that. And what I was doing very poorly was articulating me to them. I was fantastic about learning the challenges they were facing in their company within various roles. And was fantastic about learning from you know, the person across from me. I was terrible. In fact, I was minimizing as much as possible how much I spoke about myself. And that made it hard for them to relate to me. I was just a, uh, an interesting you know, bio, an interesting story sitting across from them, but not something or someone they could see working with or relating into a position in their company. How did you, how did you change that? And what did the story become? How did you start talking about yeah. yourself in a way that felt authentic to who you are and the tradition that you come from, but yeah. also balancing that with needing to say, yeah, here's why I'm really good and why yeah. I work with you. So one, I had Commit Foundation. It was through their one-on-one -on -one coaching program that I learned, I really was able to dissect myself and learn to identify what my strengths, weaknesses are, what made me tick, uh, what would excite me. So I had that in the back of my head already. And then I had Elite Meet. Uh, in fact, it was EM Dallas uh, last July when we had discussions about you, you have to talk about yourself. You need to make yourself relatable. All those things that I was just saying, I learned with Elite Meet. And so I started using my info interviews with people to try to concisely convey my story in a way that resonated with the person across from me. And I was keeping them at info interviews. I think by July, I'd had done 60, 70 info interviews. Uh, by the time I got hired, I was at 150, 170 info interviews. And each of and those you had, was... You had a tracking sheet. I think it, you sent me it maybe six months yeah. ago or something. And you had like an Excel sheet with the company, the name, all the details, the date that you had it, the follow-up. And there was mm -hmm. so, so much rigor behind that process. Yeah, that was actually an idea I got from, I think it was Kurt Vandemotter. Uh, from Elite Meet Dallas, says, you need track to keep a journal of your info interviews. And what I found is, you know, 170 info interviews in that I've actually cataloged. Because uh, I wasn't doing this before July. I've found that I now, when I come across someone and they have a challenge, there's so many other people I've talked to, I can connect people now and reliably connect them. And that's part of networking. It's not to get a job although ostensibly it is when you're doing it, uh, really when it's done effectively, it's to help other people in your network. It's to become a node. And I guess going back to the original question, uh, there was someone who was a node in my network that I didn't know, and they took my story and resume and sent it off to McKinsey, and McKinsey reached out to me, asked if I'd like to interview for their company. Did you have a forwardable email with the resume and then you sent that out to the different nodes 
so that they could do that? Or um, did they just send a blank email or send an email to someone that they knew and say, hey, you got to talk to this guy? I don't know what was going on behind the scenes in that, that interaction. Um, I never sent my email blindly. In fact, uh, who was it? Elite Meet Dallas again. Someone said, oh, it might have been Kurt. Yeah. I sent him an email, follow up on this. But I think he said, uh, never send your resume. Start a conversation, learn what the thing is about, and then shape your resume appropriately, and then send that. But the conversation has to come first. Otherwise, you, know, you don't know what – you're minimizing the impact you can have with what you're sending them on that resume if you do not learn ahead of time. So you did 170 info interviews yep. over, the, over the span of how many months? Well, that was April through October. And those are, I wasn't cataloging many before or any really before you leave me Dallas in July. So there was a stack. I was doing two days before that uh, for about two months. Um, when you were doing those info interviews, how did you reach out to those people? Was it through a connection or, or how did you primarily reach out to people? Through a connection, warm referral or cold on LinkedIn or, or what did you do? Yeah, well, to get the flywheel spinning, it was Elite Meet, Seal Future Foundation, Commit Foundation, uh, all said, hey, I know someone in that company or that industry that you know, it might be interesting to talk to. Uh, and then uh, I don't remember who gave the advice. They said, you should never leave an info interview without a follow-on with that person already scheduled or a warm introduction to someone else or another couple people who might be interesting to talk to. And so I would end, well, one, thanking the person, uh, two, asking for a follow-on, or is there someone you think might be interesting to talk to? And eventually when I got comfortable with it, I would ask, is there someone you think would be interested in talking to me? And that, that took a little bit of time for me to get, get comfortable asking that, because that presumes that I am an interesting person and that they would be willing to introduce me on that basis to someone else. Uh, but so like I said, once the flywheel was spinning, the introductions came from people I was having inter info interviews with. And sometimes it'd be two or three people. In fact, there's one fellow I met on the flight back from Dallas to San Diego. I've met 20-something people through. Just fascinating human, well-networked, and he's eager to help uh, guys make the jump to the civilian world. What did you learn about how to do an effective info interview? Like how yeah. long were they typically, uh, how long were they typically done? What questions did you ask? Did it become just like this really structured thing you just knew how to kind of pump through? It, it became that way. Uh, it didn't start that way. So first uh, key lesson, this, my wife has been huge in this transition because I've been working, doing grad school, as well as trying to be engaged with the kids. She would help with the info interviews. And by that, I mean, she would initially be going in, researching the person, you know, 15, 20 minutes of where this person's been, what the industry is, and then print off a few recent news articles of what's going on in that person's company or industry. And I'd skim that 20, 30 minutes before the info interview, develop anything that came to my mind as, oh, that's interesting. That right there is a key that you need to ask about that. And the questions I would ask can't, couldn't be things that I could just look up on Google. 
So it had to be relevant to that person and particular, particularly something that only that person could answer. So usually that's related to what do you think about? Uh, if there's some trend in their industry, hey, I saw this, what are the challenges you're facing or how is that impacting your workflow, your, your employees or um, you know, things that are specifically about that person? So your I wife would help asking, do the prep work. Uh, she would also yep. prep the questions. No, uh, she would just give me the the information uh, so that I didn't have to search for it. And then reading through what she'd print, I would develop my questions. Did you think that, I was just having this discussion with somebody about info interviews. Um, yep. Do you think that they were effective to ask what were thoughtful questions about their industry but might have just been like super high level, but thoughtful, like tell me what's going on in the automotive supplier company. Like, dude, I don't really care about talking to those. I just want to help help you. Did you find that the info yeah. interviews were most effectively done by focusing on them, their company and their industry? Or here's where I'm at, at transitioning. I could really use some feedback on this particular part of my transition. I very rarely asked for specific help in my transition. What I got good at eventually was capturing that bit about me in my blurb about myself. And a big part of any info or any interview with a company is being able to articulate what you are, who you are, what your experiences are in ways that are relevant to the company you're, you're interviewing for. And I took that to heart with each of these info interviews because I wanted to make sure I was interesting for them, not because I wanted a job in um, uh, landscaping or, you know, their massive landscaper or uh, um, construction. That, that wasn't where my interest was, but it was interesting to learn about it. And I wanted to make sure I was interesting to the person I was talking to. So the question, my, the talk about myself would be, hey, I'm, this is me. I've been doing this. Uh, a few things about myself that are relevant to that person's experience uh, or background so that there is that uh, relationship tie-in right there. And then go on to uh, the questions for them. And every once in a while, we'd bring it back into uh, me, which would be, uh, oh, yeah, that reminds me of a time when. And all of that wasn't for the purpose of getting a job with that person. It was to learn about that person build a relationship with them because I've learned that I've been able to bring some of those relationships I've made to bear with other people who need help or are looking for a job or are looking for solutions. So it's interesting. It sounds like the, the point of doing an informational interview, one is to learn about what that person actually does, but equally perhaps more important is to build a relationship make them feel valued and that you've researched them and that you care about what they do. Um, and that relationship that is formed might lead to something at their company or because they care about you, because you care about them, they're more likely mm -hmm. to be involved with your transition and more likely to give you some warm referrals. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are some of the key takeaways after 170 interviews? The, the tagline for the, Lou Emery transition is uh, Lou Emery realized getting out of the Navy is hard. Lou Emery realized he has to ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest lesson I learned is seek help. And that was commit foundation 
Skill Future Foundation and Elite Mate. Uh, commit was learning how to dissect myself and identify what I really needed in my life. Skill Future Foundation, uh, they introduced me to a few people. They are there for uh, advice, resume writers. They're also there on that mental health side of things. I know that's uh, an aspect they're getting pretty involved in. And then Elite Me has just been huge, introducing me to tons of people, tons of people. And I found other uh, members of Elite Me have been great at introducing, making introductions as well, and providing feedback and advice. And uh, so help through those people. Now, some of the info interviews, they'd say, hey, what can I do to help you? I wouldn't let that ship pass by. I would always put my hand out asking for some help that was within the, within the realm of reasonable for that person that was asking. Uh, is, it, is it an introduction to someone else? Is it advice? Uh, and that kind of goes back to how did I reach out to people? A lot of warm interviews, uh, warm turnovers. Some of them were, I went on LinkedIn, found former SEALs, former Navy, grads of UCLA, uh, people in San Diego, or someone that had hair color like me. I, I just found something that was very similar that I could tie into and uh, kick off a, a request for 15, 20 minute info interview. Uh, but Would you keep it to that, like to the 15 that. to 20 minutes? That was my ask when I'd reach out to people. Or even when I had a warm handoff, it was still my ask of 15 to 20 minutes, greatly appreciated uh, based on your time. Give me two or three time windows in the next few weeks that work for you, I will make one of them work for me. And there were a few times, well, I say a few, probably a dozen times when I wouldn't hear back and I'd reach out uh, the following Monday or give it a week and then a Monday. And I'd say, I realized I contacted you at the middle of the week or at weekend or you know something like that. Probably got uh, squished to the bottom of your inbox trying again. So, I had, I think I've only had five people not respond, period. Out of 170. 170 something, yeah. So uh, it was, yeah, it was uh, an interesting experience going through that, uh, taking a little bit of time and humility to uh, give people space sometimes, because not everyone has the time to talk to a guy just because he's a Navy SEAL. Uh, leaving uh, the military. Yeah. Um, so how, talk about the process with McKenzie, like from what was the first interview uh, all the way through actually getting the job offer? Yeah, so they reached out to me in July, not long after Elite Meet Dallas, and about a month after I learned about this thing called consulting and actually started <laughs> looking into it. Again, DLA Piper, uh, he introduced me. Yeah. He introduced <laughs> me to the idea of consulting. I think, well, and I looked in and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be like a lot of seals going to consulting. I didn't want to be lockstep. That's Matt Schwartz has a couple good ideas up his sleeve. Yeah. And then I looked <laughs> into it more and realized, okay, this, this actually might scratch my H need for variability and the like. So they contacted me. I called them back. They said, Hey, uh, I want to talk to you about implementation practice. I said, oh yeah, sounds good. They asked me when I'd be ready to interview. I said, Next week, having no idea about consulting, you know, the big consulting firms, interview processes, case interviews <laughs> and the like. And I remember Olivia, so the recruiter who uh, contacted me said, uh, I don't think you understand how this works. How about we set a date for middle of October? And mind you, I'm thinking, 
middle of October. I'm already out at the active duty at that point. <laughs> That's not going to work. So I kept pushing just middle of October. So, okay. And then started learning about consulting firms, interview processes. <laughs> I needed and more than one week preparation. I needed, I was doing four hours a day. I'd wake up at four thirty, four hours a day, uh, to eight thirty, and then, uh, go to work, come back from work, reach out to people, info interviews, info interviews during lunch. But the case prep was not my forte. Now, what was my forte, I think, was by the time I interviewed in October, I had had 170-something interviews with just various people learning to ask questions. I had exposure to who knows how many different companies and industries and the challenges they're facing and how people were working on those challenges. And I'd had a lot of practice talking about myself in very concise terms that were relevant to the person across from me. So all of those things came together when I interviewed with McKinsey. And first interview was, uh, they called, they hit me up on a Monday, said, Hey, can you interview this Friday? Interviewed Friday. The next Monday they hit me up and said, uh, we want to fly you out to Denver and, uh, flew out to Denver that Friday. So Friday to Friday, two, uh, sets of interviews. And I just got through TSA, uh, at Denver, Denver international to fly back home. When I got the phone call, Hey, we, uh, we're extending you an offer that, very quick, very efficient, and uh, very, very uh, nice to have that sitting in my pocket on the flight home. I mean, I took it on the spot. <laughs> hold, on, hold on a second. Let me check. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, um, actually, he might not have finished his question by the time I accept. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, what date? Starting tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. um, so you really, the process started in July, and then you had your interviews and acceptance in October. Right. Yep. And you were doing, when did you start doing four hours a day of prep? As soon as I researched this company called McKinsey, they had contacted <laughs> me. <laughs> Unfortunately, they have resources online. Looked into that. And then I started talking to a career advisor at uh, my school at UCLA, not realizing he'd probably mentioned he was at McKinsey years ago. Didn't register in my head because I had no idea what that was when I started at UCLA. And uh, he helped me out a little bit. And then info interviews. It turns out there's a lot of frogmen in some of these big consulting firms. So I reached out to them, a lot of practice with them, practice with uh, my brother, my wife read. How many a case the... preps do you think you did? Or ca how many case studies do you think you did what, live? I, oh, live? Or, or, or doing practice? Probably only, yeah, 30. Uh, but I had, like I said, four hours a day for two months of uh, Victor Cheng has look over my shoulder, which is an audio uh, re recording of I think 24 different case interviews. And I use that very deliberately and the 24 about hours. Uh, the first time through took me about 50 hours because I'd stop it, pause it, rewind, uh, think through the processes. What were they saying? Why were they saying it? Uh, and then the second time through, I was just kind of listening in the background because at that point I was doing live interviews with other people. And did you decide early on, like you were going to focus on consulting? At, again, Elite Me Dallas, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Someone said, don't boil the ocean. And at that point I'd been trying to, I was looking all over the place, trying to figure out what worked for me. Um, Matt Schwartz said consulting, consulting. So I looked into it, realized by the time I left Elite Me Dallas, 
I realized I was trying to boil the ocean. I had to zoom in on one thing. And so I focused on consulting because technically if you go into management consulting, you're not focusing on a single blessed thing. <laughs> it's basically yeah. a continuation of the MBA. <laughs> oh man, there's a ton of takeaways from this. Uh, so when, when do you actually start? Start August 14th. All right. What's going on between now and August? Moving the family in a few weeks, come back, finish up turnover in my current job, then move out, and I have a month of mindlessness for the kids. Take full there advantage of that, and then, and then kick off with, uh, with McKinsey. Well, this has been fantastic. I, there are tons of takeaways in this, and I'll go ahead and get it posted for us. Hey, thank you, Jordan. And right, really do appreciate what uh, you uh, did with Elite Mate. That was huge for me. It's uh, these, these success stories are the reasons why I love doing it. Yeah. Thank you, man. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Cheers. See ya.